are statues of a nude Donald Trump showing up in cities across America. Yes. Shortly after the election. Well, the same artist has come up with a new statue. Yeah, I, this was just handed to me. Plastic Jesus is the name of the artist, along with Joshua Ginger Monroe. They've come That's up an with, odd thing to name your son, but go on. Their, uh, their new statue is called Casting Couch. It's a life-size Harvey Weinstein in a bathrobe. On a couch holding an Oscar. A loose-fitting bathrobe. A loose-fitting bathrobe. Yeah, and it's golden. <laughs> and it's going to be there near where they have the Oscar, so that's pretty cool. Right. I, right. I like that. I like that. I hope I get to lots of attention. Yeah, that's absolutely fabulous. Oh, but the, uh, the The Olympic quality whirl from hiding it, condoning it, and supporting it to lecturing everybody else about it is what will make the Oscars so special Sunday night. Now, if I might, a brief uh, chat about tariffs. President, wow, off the cuff. <laughs> Even when you said, I'm ready for it, I agree it's necessary. But when you say it out loud, I think, oof. Oh, who wants to listen to that? But it's going to be, this, <laughs> this segment will be chock full of my trademark world trade humor. There you go. That I'm known for. Oh, you should hear my stuff on uh, on import duties. Oh, so look, if you do book Kenyan brain surgery, just make sure they actually operate on your brain and not the guy in the next bed at the hospital. So That uh, happens in America. My series on booking Kenyan brain surgery also coming up. So, uh, hey, can we post the picture of the golden Harvey Weinstein casting couch uh, Statue at armstrongandgetty.com. Yes, we're on it. Give us five minutes. So, look, here's the way you see this this uh, the, the steel dump, the uh, the tariff thing with steel and aluminum, as I prefer to pronounce it. Donald Trump having an announced that we're going to do that. Well, he, he announced it in the midst of a meeting about something else for reasons nobody can come up with to the shock of his staff, or so it would seem, but that's a very Trumpian thing to do. Now, on your MSNBC and, and similar channels, they're going crazy about how this is going to spark a trade war, which is going to ruin the American econ- economy. Cars are going to be, you know, a, a, a triple in price and the rest of it. And look, uh, well, uh, to be fair, it's not just your C's and N and your MS's and BC. It's also it not, sir. It's also, I think, the most conservative uh, member of the Senate, Ben Sass of Nebraska, Republican. Right. Yes, I mean it's a lot of Republicans. It's well, it's a lot of Fox News. Well, it's a leftist policy historically. What the president announced, Bernie That's Sanders, is cheering it. Bernie well, Sanders right. is really excited. I would point out that Ben Sass, who may be my favorite senator, because he's sassy. And because I, uh, I agree with him on virtually everything. Um, he also represents a huge agricultural state. And if there is a trade war, it will devastate American farmers. But here's my thing. Here's the, see, 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 look, all this, folks, and I blame Jack. None of this is going to matter. Here's the deal, in my opinion, because I've been reading about this forever since I was in school. For the longest time, America would put up with crap from your more emerging economies like China, like India. Like, well, there are a hundred examples because we had by far the biggest economy. So everything was a smaller economy. Everything was emerging compared to us. So we would put up with a certain amount of steel dumping, unfair trade. They would erect tariffs, but we wouldn't. Uh, that, that sort of thing, because we're such a juggernaut, it just didn't matter. And it stimulated world trade, which in the end was good for America. 
We were like we wouldn't call fouls on our six-year-old son as we played basketball. There was no point. There was no need. But at this point, what Trump's thinking is they've been getting away with way too much for way too long. China's threatening to eclipse us as the biggest economy in the world. They've got lots of power. They're run by a dictator. They are dumping steel, even though we don't buy that much steel from China, as it turns out. They make like half the steel in the, the world, but we only get a small chunk of our steel from them. But blah, blah, blah. So long and short is Trump is thinking, you know, it's a reset. We're going to take less crap from the rest of the world from here on out. I doubt those tariffs actually get in place. It goes to the World Trade Organization, where they think, oh, the crazy guy with the wackadoo haircut's in charge now. He's asking for all sorts of crazy stuff. And they'll negotiate, and we'll get a little better deal than we used to. That's my opinion. I don't think it turns into much. I don't think it turns into a trade war where our soybean farmers are devastated. So it would be like his starting position with NATO is, I think we're going to pull out of NATO because nobody pays the bills and we have to pay them all. Which was an insane thing to say. (laughs) Unless you're a negotiator and your ending point was his ending point where people started paying a lot more than they were before. Yeah. He got people to pay a lot more than they were before. Yeah. So I think in Trumpian fashion, he's just trying to move it a few notches. But he's, uh, he's, he's threatening something that would probably... Have an enormous impact on, you know, world trade and, and and standards of living in the United States and the rest of it because it would be damaging. But I tell you what, you, it's we've been paying. Uh, what's the best metaphor that people will understand? It's like we've been paying protection to the mob forever, and and we're just that's enough. That's enough. We're going to stand up for ourselves a little bit and try to move the thing a couple of notches uh, in a more favorable direction. A lot of companies in Sweden are making exercise mandatory. I think we're going to head in that direction in the United States. I'm well, guessing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to have a primary care physician. You got to have a physical. You got to do this and that to get the better insurance rates through your company, for instance. Yeah, because they, yeah, they already do that stuff. Maybe they do that where you work, where you can meet certain guidelines and get the lower <laughs> insurance rate. I talked to a buddy who uh, he works for a company. You actually have to. Um, you have to do a, 10 push-ups. You have to do an interview with a nurse where she asks you about your health and your diet, and it's mandatory that you get on the phone or meet in person with this nurse and get grilled by her. And um, it was suggested to me that some of the answers may be less than candid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that can be its own problem. Um, I've, I've heard this from people that weren't honest with their, their stuff, and then you have a really big, expensive medical thing, and if they, you know... There's nicotine in your blood or or whatever, and you claimed you weren't a smoker, and then right. they just say, "Sorry, we're not paying for this." Yeah, I, yeah, that's I have a, heard that's, that. And you, you know, you're facing some million dollar illness, right? So, I wonder what the laws are on that. How how picky can they be? I don't know. How crazy can they be that's, about that? That's the most common one. People lying about whether they smoked or not. I, mm-hmm. I wonder about other stuff, about just weight or anything else. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, like if you forget that you're taking. Like a Claritin, over-the-counter Claritin for your seasonal seasonal allergies, and you put don't put that on the form. Can they refuse to pay for your chemotherapy? And how, right. how crazy can they get? I don't know that. I, I'd imagine that would not happen, but I don't know. Here's an employer in Sweden uh, that uh, requires everybody to attend a weekly workout section every Friday at the gym near the office. There's no getting out of it. Um, you have to go. Is it during the workday? Once a week. I don't know if that would do you a hell of a lot of good. That's eh, better than nothing. But yeah. 
I wouldn't mind a little workout on Fridays. Although generally my workout is uh, on the golf course on Fridays. Um, so anyway, they're wondering if that's headed toward the United States. Where we're certainly encouraging more exercise. It just makes insurance a lot cheaper, and then pretty soon it maybe it'll be mandatory. Right. Maybe you will have to run. Maybe it'd be like um, you know, like they do in the military. You have to be able to run a mile a certain amount, a certain uh, in a certain amount of time, adjusted for age. Right. I could see them doing that. Companies, in fact, you know, I, I wouldn't blame them. Well, and if the government is the company, the government's paying for your health insurance. So the the people, we the people, care whether you're healthy or not, Jack. I'm not going to let you get a, obese if I have to pay a share of your. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm picturing, so, I'm picturing yeah, government compulsory exercise. Well, I'm picturing non-social socialized medicine. I suppose we're headed there. Well, the best expert we know says we're headed there in right. 10 years. So, yeah, I suppose I should accept that. But for now, if you consider it a private company, they're private companies that are going to insure you. Why should they treat the, 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 the really fat person down there in the corner who never exercises, eats crap and well, smokes is a bad example because that one's. They're kind of picky about now, but yeah. never exercises, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and treat them the same way as they treat me. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would a company do that? Why should they be expected to do that? I might be going away. You might be better off as a tweaker. Nice and thin. You got the low BMI. So you smoke some meth every day. Mm-hmm. Get lower rates than the fat guy, probably. They ask, do you smoke? You say cigarettes? No. <laughs> no, no. I never touched tobacco. But since the number one expert we know says we're headed toward government health care anyway, none of this matters. The government's going to do what they want to do. See, the guy was going in for brain surgery in Kenya, and they uh, operated on the next guy's brain. And uh, so that guy's unhappy. Heard about? <laughs> we've heard about that with they operate on the wrong knee and that sort of stuff a lot. Yeah. That happens thousands and thousands of times every year in wrong, the United States. Wrong brain is a real mistake. Cutting into somebody's brain who didn't yeah. need it. What was he there for? Sprained you, ankle? You come out of the uh, the anesthesia and you say, you know, Doc, my knee still hurts and now my head hurts like hell. <laughs> How'd the operation go? Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. That's the kind of show that gets all their hair on fire about these uh, rumors all the time because so many times they've turned out to be nothing about who's leaving the Trump White House and then oftentimes who cares anyway. Right. Um, God, how many times do you have to be told so-and-so is going to resign? Our sources say, and then they stick around for another year. Right. But, uh, before you fall for it. But yeah, no, we have a dumb. really good source on this one that uh, McMaster has been talking to people at Stanford about a position. Oh, boy. Interesting. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I wonder. Wonder why he's on the way out. You know, I want to talk about the lack of sanctions against Russia and um, and the weird non-reaction anything Putin does, and the fact that Mike Rogers said the other day he's not been given uh, the authority and budget to really battle back with Putin on the cyber thing. I, just, I can't figure out what Trump's doing with Russia. I Mc- really can't. McMaster is our nation's national security advisor. I got to quit using these these names like you all know this right. because you shouldn't. 
You might ought to know that one, but yeah, yeah. don't don't follow this stuff. I hope to God you're not. <laughs> I, I hope it. you don't. I hope you don't know who the hell Hope Hicks was. That is our wish for you. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> hey, uh, you're gonna kill me for this, but a, a little Tara follow up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I can mix in some more aluminum fun facts to kind of lighten it wait, up. Wait, wait a minute. Do you have more? <laughs> oh, I got plenty. As Hit I mentioned us. before, it's my favorite of all the metals. Hit us. About 75% of all aluminum ever made is still in use thanks to recycling. There you go. That's pretty interesting. Isn't that nice? Mm. Isn't that nice? So the president has just tweeted, when a country taxes our products coming in at, say, 50%, and we tax the same product coming into our country at zero, not fair or smart, we will soon be starting reciprocal taxes so that we will charge the same thing as they charge us. $800 billion trade deficit. Have no choice. Well, he, he also said we must protect our country and our workers. Our steel industry is in bad shape. If you don't have steel, you don't have a country. But he's he's got to have a plan or a theory, right? I mean, he did go to a top-level business school. I have to assume he's studied up on this stuff, the history of it and whatnot. Right. Well, okay, I got this from um, a friend who knows. He's in an industry who absolutely knows what's going on. He's right there in the pocket of big aluminum. I, I don't think he is. It's the most abundant mineral on Earth after oxygen and silicone. I didn't know that either. That was no a pretty idea. good fact. That is good. It fact. wasn't fun, but it was good. Yeah. The Chinese, this is from my friend who absolutely knows what he's talking about. The Chinese illegally subsidized the manufacturing of aluminum and steel by providing free or reduced energy costs. They use aluminum and steel in countless products, then sell the aluminum, steel, and improved products at below market rates. The Chinese dumping is recognized by the Commerce Department and sanctions. Oh, stop texting me while I'm reading your previous text. Uh, that uh, they've been recognized by the Commerce Department and sanctions have been placed on the Chinese, but they continue to skirt the law. The cheating by the Chinese kills American manufacturing and costs the U.S. tens of thousands of jobs. They skirt the law by taking the metals and repackaging them and sending them to Thailand and Vietnam makes it look like it doesn't come from China. Uh, aluminum manufacturing in the U.S. is 10% of what it was 10 years ago. They can't compete with the subsidized prices. But the totality of American industry says, look, hey, we're getting cheap steel over here, and the economy's humming, and everybody's trading, and the Chinese are buying soybeans. Just don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. That's been the U.S. trade policy for the last several decades. And now Trump is saying, I am worried about it. You're going to screw us, we're screwing you back. I think it's a useful reset. If it it turns into a big, huge trade war, all the experts are saying trade wars always end badly. Well, this is a different one in a different time, and I'll I'll bet he gets at least some of what he's looking for. And he campaigned on it. It's not like it came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere in terms of nobody thought he was going to announce it yesterday, apparently in his own White House, but he campaigned on this. He mentioned this in his speeches all the time. It was the the least jazzy part of his campaign speeches. Right. I liked it better when he yelled at the media. Yes? One more. A single Boeing 747 contains 147,000 pounds of aluminum. That's a lot of aluminum, as it is rather light. I was going to ask, what is most aluminum in? When when do I ever come across aluminum? Everything. I'll have that for you next time we talk to Eric. Okay. Okay. What do you mean everything? I'm not wearing any aluminum right now. Oh, it's all over. It's everywhere you look. It's probably this microphone stand. I'll bet is aluminum. I didn't sleep in an aluminum bed. That's made of aluminum. I just no. (laughs) Okay, it's not everything. (laughs) You didn't eat any aluminum for breakfast, (laughs) right? I stand corrected. (laughs)
No, it's omnipresent. Like the 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 border on that uh, that dry erase board uh, has got to be aluminum. It doesn't even need to be there. If that border wasn't there, it'd be fine. <laughs> so most aluminum is useless, in Jack's opinion. <laughs> Fascinating. I have one of those Ford F one fifties that's got aluminum in it that they changed a couple of years ago, make them much oh, yeah. lighter. Yeah. So it's and they called it military grade aluminum, which was great uh, marketing. Great spin, because people think of aluminum as cans, and you don't want to drive around a tin, an aluminum can pickup well, there's truck. There's definitely different grades of everything, so yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. Most likely, your I most... Got, I got my kid in a, a military-grade aluminum ra- a razor scooter, and it's much better <laughs> than the other ones. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's very sturdy, very light. When the Chinese a... come in, you could beat them to death with it, mm-hmm. ironically. I almost gave a preemptive fact, but I need to save that for the next time we talk tariffs. Yeah, you just... <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. Oh, you're killing me. Wow. You're killing me. Tariff talk. What do you guys talk about on your show? Well, well tariffs, a lot of school exports. shootings, you know, that sort of thing. Taxation, and then traffic and weather Accounting. on the traffic and weather on the nines. Then back to tariff talk, <laughs> and what aluminum is in. <laughs> Sometimes we argue long, about what aluminum. is Long conversations about what aluminum is in, and you guys are actually on a radio station. Yeah, yeah. bunch. We're on several. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, we have a new richest hip hop star in the world. What? P. Diddy has been dethroned. Oh, okay. All right. As the richest hip-hop star in the world. Details coming up. Um, Oh, wait, we've got two minutes. I was about to throw it to Marshall. Okay, I won't do that. Um, Jay-Z has surpassed P. Diddy. Is now worth $900 million, almost a billion dollars. Yeah, Jay-Z's on his way to be his first billionaire hip-hop artist, P. Diddy, suffering at $836 million. Right, right. Probably looking for a little uh, loan. Most of it because they... A few bucks to go down to the laundromat from Jay-Z. Well, the aluminum tariffs are going to kill him. Right. Um, uh, Do you want a little more econ talk? No. And so the money that these guys are getting is not as much from the music as from they got into fashion lines, vodkas, all that sort of stuff. Sure, They're businessmen. They're brand managers yeah, and builders. Yeah, exactly. like, like Trump, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, your, your mouth said no, but your eyes said yes. Uh, it was pointed out with Putin and his threat with the missile and that sort of thing. Um, partly there's new uh, negotiations about to start, so he's just laying down a negotiating marker with his cheesy, like uh, high school kid put together video of nuking the United States, which is a hell of a maneuver. So there's that. He's in the midst of his. Uh, it's a campaign speech yesterday, so my hair's not on fire over that either. But I heard pointed out today, uh, Russia has a smaller economy than Canada. Does it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, they just inherited the nuclear arsenal of the Soviet Union. You know, if you're a Ukrainian, they're plenty powerful enough. Or a Syrian. So it's like Canada with our military capability. Our nuclear capability. Yeah, it's amazing. There are several countries that could wipe up the Russian military as long as they didn't nuke them. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Donald Trump's back and forth on gun control, really confounding Congress. And Fox is getting ready to air OJ's lost confession. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Gideon. Is that before or after alien autopsy? (laughs) And when animals attack. Trump met with NRA last night behind closed doors, right? Yes, indeed. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. From the text line, my college professor in the 70s told me that all of the years aluminum would be used up by now and aluminum would be a thing of the past. <laughs> That's what college professors do. My college professor said uh, gasoline-powered cars wouldn't be around in 20 years. 
Yeah, and no, I and I, like an idiot, spouted that many times. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that's, that's the, what I was taught in college. And that's in the hard sciences where they have like real data. Never mind the social sciences where everything's made up or damn near. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm sorry. Let me finalize this. Deodorant real has a lot of aluminum in it. Apparently, there that's you a fun go. Fact: Where's aluminum? It's on your armpits, Jack. So, I would like to make a brief announcement, Mm -hmm. unscheduled on the Armstrong and Getty Show. During our interview of one Timothy Sandifer, author of Frederick Douglass, Self-Made Man, I harassed him kiddingly for not sending me a free copy of the book. I paid for mine because we're friends, and I expecting to get a free meal at my friend's restaurant just doesn't seem fair. After the show, I made it clear that I was merely joking and would be delighted to pay for it. Well, I've just received an apparently free copy of Frederick Douglass, Self-Made Man by Timothy Sandifer with a note. I'm sorry, I thought I'd already sent you me? What? (laughs) Anyway, I thought I'd already sent one to you. He's a man of letters, a man of hard-to-read letters. A couple of letters that don't seem to be connected to a word, but anyway, uh, well... Timothy Sandifer, author of Frederick Douglass' Self-Made Man. I have just ordered five copies of your book, and I'm going to distribute them to my local schools. Your move, sir! That was a humble brag, so what that was. No kidding. I will not be made to look like a cheapskate. (laughs) Sir! So ask ask all your friends for free stuff? Yeah, right. right. So you got a restaurant to give me some food? <laughs> hey, uh, they sent me a, a bill at the end of the meal. What was going on with that? Didn't hey. you tell them? <laughs> right. Could you give right. me a free oil change over there since you work at that, Carla? Um, is yeah. it anything written inside the book? Nice note from the author? Well, there's a lot written inside the book. That's the point of a book. <laughs> Inscribed by the author. Oh, I see. Yes, I'm personal sorry. inscription there to you. Uh, it's really the whole book thing. Oh, God. Joe, here's your free copy, you cheap bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that set the record That's straight. Funny. That's a funny inscription. Yes. Oh, Sander for you. Let's get to the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, the White House shifting back and forth on gun legislation. That shift continues. Now you got the NRA coming out saying they believe Trump has no interest in gun control. After meeting with the president in the Oval Office last night, the NRA's chief lobbyist tweeted that Trump and Vice President Pence support the Second Amendment, strong due process, and don't want gun control. That followed Trump's tweet that he had a great meeting with the guns and rights group, the NRA. And all this coming after the earlier meeting when it appeared Trump was willing to deal on a number of issues like raising the legal age when you buy a gun to 21. So, because all this shifting action on gun legislation has skidded to a halt in Congress, and not for a lack of bipartisan proposals, but because of the president's constant shifting on gun policy, that's left some, even in his own party, confused and scrambling to figure out what to do next. Without a clear path forward, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has now shelved the gun debate for now. You know, it's just a different process trying to figure out what policies the president wants. It used to be maybe easier or quicker. Well, it probably wasn't easier or quicker. It's just very, very different. Yeah. And Republicans are getting used to the Trump effect, and Democrats too. You can't Take everything he says literally. So they'll they'll figure it out. And result being, I wonder if we're just going to have nothing happen on guns, like nothing happened right. after the last couple of just insane 
never again shootings. Oh, by the way, a special uh, special tribute to NPR, which this morning is going big on a story. I wish I had the specific wording, but they've really, really outdone themselves. The nexus between Russia collusion and the NRA. They've identified some Russian national who's a highly placed guy who's mm-hmm. a lifetime member of the NRA and has come to NRA meetings and met with the presidents of the NRA in the past. So they're, now they're like tying Russian collusion and Trump and the NRA into right. some unholy triangle of something or other. Mm. So, mm. Gold medal winning gymnast Ali Raisman is suing the U.S. Olympic Committee. She argues in her suit that the USOC knew or should have known that former USA gymnast team doctor Larry Nasser was molesting her and other young women and girls. Nasser sexually molested athletes that he was supposed to be treating for injuries. Raceman issuing a statement today accusing the USOC and USA Gymnastics of stonewalling on what they knew about Nasser's behavior. Well, they clearly will, were. I, I hate the whole suing litigious society thing, but maybe this is the only way you can get these organizations to behave, is if they're afraid of being sued to death. Well, I would say since the moral obligation was overlooked, and it's an obvious, sickening, powerful moral obligation... Yeah, maybe the only way to kick them so they notice is financially, Same, which with, is sickening. Same with USA Swimming, apparently, right. nationwide for many, many, many years. Yeah, we're going to talk to Jancy Thompson, who's uh, out and talking about the abuse she suffered and others did at USA Swimming. All right, shifting gears, Fox TV is planning to air a repackaged version of a controversial interview with O.J. Simpson in which he hypothetically details how he might have killed his ex-wife, Nicole Brown, and her friend, Ron Goldman. I I remember this. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? For For money. For money, yeah. Wasn't it some sort of pay-per-view? Yeah, it was going to be a pay-per-view, but Fox dropped the whole plan. Back then, because it was just it was just morally repugnant, widespread outrage. It was done eleven years ago. Now they're bringing it back. They've repackaged it. The Simpson interview with then publisher and TV host Judith Regan was to have been called "If I Did It," and was viewed by many, including Regan herself, as basically a confession by OJ to the stabbing deaths of Brown and Goldman. That's uh, it's it's a hard one to figure out. I mean, if you believe he did it but, like, has somehow convinced himself he didn't. So was this dealing with his psyche, or or who knows what was going on there? You know, I don't deny for a minute that that's interesting. But what's more interesting to me is that something was considered beyond the pale, too repugnant, disgusting, unairable 11 years ago, but now we've become coarse enough and ugly enough that now it's fine. I think that's... uh, Yep, the repackaging is called O.J. Simpson, The Lost Confession, and Fox is going to be airing it March 11. Are there any clips from that, promos or anything we can grab anywhere? I wouldn't mind hearing a little bit of that. Look around. O.J., the least funny Simpson. That is your news. I'm Marshall Phillips of the Armstrong and Getty Show, The Conscience of the Nation. Time to squeeze the eagle. You're watching Fox. Shame on you. So I said to my wife last night, well, you watch your TV. It's time to squeeze the eagle. I'll see you in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) So at some point, do we want Sean to run through an Oscar category for us? 
Yeah. Well, yeah, there's picture nominees. I'd like to know at least what the names are and what the hell they are. Sure, yeah, it's not about Hollywood self-congratulations. It's uh, turning you on to something you might want to see. Alan Simpson wasn't a very funny Simpson. <laughs> O.J. less funny than Alan Simpson, though. Probably at the very bottom. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I've got all that, which is good. And more fun aluminum facts, I understand. <laughs> uh, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Sometimes I want to take you down. Ah, the fabulous sounds of Cracker. Thank you, Michael. Can't play enough Cracker. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. I despise the very idea of the Oscars, but I do like a good motion picture. And so, with gong mallet in hand, we turn to Positive Sean for his Oscar preview. Who ought to win? Who's going to win? Let's start in counterintuitive fashion with the end, and that's Best, best Picture. Uh, ten nominees, right? Go ahead. What, what should uh, we know? There are a potential for ten nominees. They did this a little Oh, it's more, up to ten. Up to ten. There okay. are only nine nominees that actually uh, got, got the honor this year. Um, so those nine are Call Me By Your Name. Uh, coming of age, gay romantic tale to yes. a young boy. Yeah. Yes. Um. Uh, uh. The darkest hour. The Gary Oldman. Um. Winston Churchill. We bio- will never surrender. Biopic. Biopic. I'd never know how right. to say that. Uh. Dunkirk. Uh. The World War Two. Uh. Set piece movie. Uh. Really enjoyed that one. Get out. Uh. Early on in the year, February release. This one came out of nowhere. This is the. Before the before the year Get Out would have been the longest shot to win it. It was a small budget movie, technically kind of a horror movie, although it it it, it goes beyond those those parameters. Um, Jordan Peele of jo- uh, Key and Peele comedy fame directed this one. His his directorial wow. debut. Wow, he uh, got nominated. Yes, I uh, just I just walked in the room. Uh, how many movies are nominated for Best Picture? How nine. nine. Nine this year. Nine. That's too many. They didn't Back do a full ten. They could have done ten. I liked it when it was five. But anyway. Uh, so so get I, out. And I got in here late. I didn't get to my. I'm gonna have to do it later. My annual art is overrated rant, as they're gonna try to convince us these pictures are so important and have changed so many things about human existence, mm. whether it's marriage or raising children or Duh. equality in the workplace or war and peace or whatever. No, they didn't. They entertained people for a couple hours. The end. Back to you, Sean. Uh, Lady Bird, another first-time director, uh, Greta Gerwig. This is her uh, semi-biographical coming-of-age tale set That's in Sacramento. Lyndon Johnson's wife. Everybody knows that. Yes. Uh, the Phantom- I was just reading a piece in the L.A. Times about the pride that's brought to Sacramento, that movie. Because it's essentially a love letter to the town, right? Yes. More or less, yeah, in, the, in a way. The town is very much a, a large character in the movie. You know what I've noticed in traveling the world? Most people have civic pride for things that don't affect their lives at all. Like what? Well, just, uh, I mean, if you, like, I grew up in, in Chicagoland, and where everybody's, like, super proud of the architecture. Um, and it's, and, you know, sports teams or something like that. And sports teams are fun or whatever. But, you know, for instance, uh, I remember, God, Phil Jackson, he was a genius of entertainment marketing. But call it Sacramento a cow town back when the Lakers and the Kings were great rivals. And 
you know, in terms of virtually every measure of quality of life, uh, most people are happier and safer and 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 uh, better housed, etc., in a cow town like Sacramento than they would be in Los Angeles. But because it's not an exciting city, Los Angeles would would lord it over Sacramento. But how many people living in Los Angeles like are in show business or hang out with Alec Baldwin? Well, he lives in New York, actually. But um, how many people actually are affected in any way by the thing that gives them civic pride? Mm. Very little. Mm. Well, so mm. among the best pictures, there's a World War One movie and a World War Two movie. That's good for me. Is that right? What's the World War? Is that the Churchill? No, they're, Churchill's they're, World they're, War Two. I think there's two World War Two oh. movies then, because Dunkirk was World War Two. Gotcha. And then uh, the Winston Churchill, yeah, that's World War II as well. Right. Uh, so moving on past Lady Bird, we have the Phantom. If you'd th- like, I'll write and direct one for you. That's the mm. trench time. That's what I'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a slapstick comedy. Oh God! Here comes the gas. That is the darkest joke ever. So we have the problem with the nine movies is you can talk about this for fifteen minutes just to mention the nine effing movies that got nominated. How about seven? How about Five was not enough. I thought it was fine. Ah, oh, you're a purist. The Phantom Thread, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day Lewis, Daniel Day Lewis reteaming for the first time since. Uh, I'm not sure I've even heard. There of will that be one. blood. Um, That's the one where he's a dress designer. Yes. yes. Oh Lord, very bizarre movie that I loved. I, I love that movie, but it is strange. Uh, the Post. Uh, this is Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, directed by Steven Spielberg, about the the Washington Post and the the Nixon Papers. Uh, the Shape of Water, which is about a lady falling in love with a fish and eventually having sex with it. And hmm. three, seriously, hmm. not uh, for the children. They don't show it, but it is it is it is known. He's a she's love a lover with a uh, half man, half beast. He's okay. a beast, but he's got a soul, Jack. Or so the movie movie would tell you. Okay, so I won't watch that one with the kids. <laughs> no, no, that is it is yeah. called an adult fairy tale for a reason. Which is makes my head hurt. What about the nutritious trout? <laughs> Blanker. <laughs> and the last uh, of the nine movies, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. This is the Vegas the exciting favorite. Exciting world of outdoor advertising. <laughs> this is the Vegas favorite. This is the one that won a bunch of stuff at the Golden Globes. This uh, it was. It's about the invention of coming up Knott's Berry Farm in five miles. Right. Then in four miles. Then in three. It's about the guy who came up with that. Yeah. If you lived here, you'd be home by now. Yeah, exactly. Right. He's that, got a small same part. guy. Right. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, this did very well at the Golden Globes. This also practically swept the BAFTAs, which are the British Oscars. Mm-hmm. So what's going to win? Which uh, of these is going to win the best picture, I think Sean? Get Out will win. I think Lady Bird should win, but I'm too biased on Lady Bird. I sh- wow, my so opinion a couple of be. small movies yeah. are your, uh, your picks, huh? Yeah, I think so. Huh. I, I think The Shape of Water has the most nominations of any movies this year, and I think it'll crush all the technical aspects like set design, costume, special so effects, things like that. So the ancient Warren Beatty will announce three billboards, then... Yes. Somebody will run up on stage and say, no, it was Lady Bird, and then hilarity will ensue. And I, I and I absolutely love both Get Out and Lady Bird. They were my two favorite movies of the year. So if either one of those wins, I'm a, I'm a happy person. Dunkirk, small third-place finish for me. Cable TV uh, capitalizing on the heart attack of Kevin Smith was trotting out clerks last night. And I happened, I saw it, I flipped over to it right as the 37 scene began. Google it, unless you know it, then you're laughing now, but... Um, uh, I had, I'd remember that movie being unspeakably hilarious, and it was funnier than I remembered. Um, not for the children. No, another one I'm not going to watch with my kids. <laughs> um, so uh, E has announced they are going to keep Ryan Seacrest on the red carpet show. 
Did you hear uh, little Kelly's uh, fawning uh, statement of love to him? I yeah. think it was this morning. Right. Well, he was the kind. Well, he can probably come up with it, but the kindest and most decent and human, humane human she's ever known. Blah blah blah. And, uh, she said he's one of my best friends, and I think they've known each other for like a year or and something. He's not at all rapey. She didn't say that. <laughs> she didn't say that, but that's what she was trying to say. Yeah. Well, I assume she wouldn't say that if she thought the other. Right. Right. Yeah. Do you want to squeeze in one of the uh, actors or director category here? Or save that for later. Uh, There's only five of each of those. And just best uh, picture is the only one that has nine. Honest to God, I just can't wrap my head around nine. It just it's just too many names to keep track of. That's why I liked it before. Unless a child or a dog wins an acting honor, I don't care. So I'll let you be the judge of that. <laughs> and I'm prepared. Child a, or a dog? <laughs> I've prepared a full ten minute featurette on the preferential ballot voting system on how these things get selected. Oh Lord. Should you um, be so interested? Is there an award show of like gifted surgeons or a te- or teachers? That'd be a good one. Can I watch a show with the best teachers in America and their innovations and how they reach kids? That would be good. Can I watch that on Sunday night? That would be good. I'll watch Kimmel's monologue. That's pretty much it. I'm Effing actors. Interested in how they're going to handle the tone. So it turns out USA swimming every bit as bad as USA gymnastics in terms of pervos and letting people being molested and moving around coaches they knew were pervs to molest other kids. They ought to be shot. We got a lot on that coming up with an actual swimmer on the Armstrong and Getty Show.